recorded live. Welcome to episode 26 of Scuba Obsessed. This week we have a potentially cool scuba gear, our call for underwater photographers, video of the week, and here are some of the stories we'll be covering. Missing scuba diver found in Lake Michigan, scuba can help out fishermen, and scuba tennis. In addition, we also have, as always, our bad scuba joke of the week there at the end. So, you know, you have plenty of warning to turn off the episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, how are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing very well. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here, and uh, you're well, I hope. Not doing bad at all. It's uh, it's a nice week up here in the Midwest. We've had some beautiful weather. Wow. Little little warmer than we're accustomed to, and I would actually begin to say this has been a warm summer. It absolutely has. It yeah. absolutely has. Warm and, and dry this past uh, past week. We made up for it with the rain a couple of weeks ago, but wow, has it been hot. We had a little, pers- little precipitation this morning, uh, which made everything a little bit humid. So a little sticky out there. I'm spoiled because I'm inside all day. So you, know, you kind of become uh, con- conditioned to the air conditioning and you don't realize it. So the same mm-hmm. is kind of my, my winter, where during the winter it's kind of like the corridor from the house to the car and the car to the building. Right. Same thing for the summer. I, I just don't get out into that that heat too much. So I, I tend to enjoy it when I do. Uh, and we had a... a Nice 4th of July weekend, so we hope everybody had a safe and happy 4th. In the U.S. here, we're, we're celebrating Independence Day. The rest of the, the world, I guess it was still the 4th of July for them, too. Yeah, they still have 4th of July there. They, uh, yeah, they Well, they, they either they, celebrate it or uh, curse it, yeah, depending they, on yeah. Well, they, they Yeah, they, they, they haven't deleted it from the calendar, at least. That's as right. As hard as they may try. Right. So... Let's go ahead and get the news going. Uh, the first article that we've got here is uh, kind of a revisit. Uh, I'll call this, I was going to call this as the video of the week, but you had another video, so maybe we'll have a, a video duel. But uh, this was a YouTube video of that Dotson, Dotson, Dothound, that we uh, was scuba diving last week. And this one actually shows him scuba diving. Yeah, and boy, did that stir up some opinions. It did. Uh, there, we'll have a link to another article. It was uh, the U.S. Day brought it. U.S. Day, USA Today, <laughs> brought up the article, and what they were doing is they were commenting on comments in another news article. And I don't know if that qualifies as a slow news day <laughs> to uh, to be making comments on it. So. You know, at first you're like, oh, well, I'm not surprised. So it's like they're almost playing to what you're expecting. You're expecting mm-hmm. that somebody's going to have, you know, feel bad about the dog. And 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 the thing you have to believe, and, and I believe even by watching the video, is, is the guy didn't do this to torture the dog or be mean to the dog. This is a, a member of his family that uh, right. he did. And I'm sure there's a little bit of novelty to it. You know, can it go down? Uh, you know, so hopefully you know, he, he's w- looking out for the dog's best interest you know dogs not fighting him well you would hope so yeah Yeah. and and he didn't i watched and and uh it's no fun getting into a a wetsuit or a dry suit for a a a human little (laughs) dog um but the dog didn't you know would i say the dog enjoys it boy i don't know about that but he wasn't fighting back as if it's a, a horrible experience for him either and he and as he had brought it up before last week as he said that the reason that he brought the dog down is the dog was just upset when they went diving and he couldn't see him. So he actually thought, well, you know, if he wants to come down and see what we're doing, then let's find a way to make it happen. So he went and did this. But uh, what the USA Day was posting on was an article that was on dreamdogs.co.uk where they posted the story and the the same video that we'll post a link to and they were they were saying how the comments were there but the thing that you have to me that you have to read into the comments is 
you know, yeah, there are some comments, you know, when somebody says it's absolutely criminal, where's the RSPCA and all this other stuff, and he goes on and on. You can head over to the site if you want to see it. But what I read into it is that this is one of those websites where in the form or the comments you can vote, and the negative comments have zero vote. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you know, it says you know, rating zero of five, you know, so I don't know if I should read anything into it not being voted, but it's not, you know, it was just, it's like three comments. So maybe, I don't know if they went through and deleted a bunch of comments, but, you know, cause is, is that a much of a story of a non-story? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know. If it... you can do anything without having people for it and against it. And you know you have that oh, the vocal geez. that vocal minority is going to be out there. So you know there, what? there's a a group of people out there that would would feel that it's unfair for him to have that dog as a as a pet or a companion. Um, so you you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So so head over there. So but the video was interesting because it actually showed the dog uh, getting in and going down. How it is uh, how it was for him. So head over there and take a look at that. We have an update on the uh, the BP oil spill uh, from a scuba standpoint. The first article is that another casualty of the of the oil spill is actually shipwrecks. So I was going through the article trying to get what the angle of it, and I'll I'll read just a little portion of it and. What they're saying is that the oil settling on the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico from the Deepwater Horizon is is threatening shipwrecks. And to quote uh, Steve Anthony, he says, if this oil congeals in the bottom, it will be dangerous for scuba divers to go down there and explore. And and Ant, uh, Stephen is president of the Marine Archaeological and Historical Society. Uh, the spill will stop investigations. It will put a chill, a halt on underwater operations. So, what did what was your take on this article? Do you, are, you know are they talking about long term, or are they just talking about you know obviously you're not going to wade through oil to go down on the surface? Right. No, am I correct in assuming that they're they're talking about things that have settled down, and that is because of what the use of the dispersants? That I believe so. Cause it to drop down. Yeah, because the dispersants, uh, yeah, they, they help it to mix with water. Uh, they, they encourage the bacteria to react with the oil. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they keep it from flowing. So a, a certain quantity of that is going to end up along the bottom. And I've seen some some videos of it. And it's, it's a terrible thing just to see that slimy, icky stuff uh, mm-hmm. going down. So, But that's what I was trying to feel. It says if this oil congeals in the bottom, so if they're talking about now, yeah, I'm. Yeah, you know, to be naive, I mean, don't we oil preserve wood? I mean, isn't that kind of what creosote was? Yeah. Um, so I'm. Just, yeah, it, it, the extremes. Uh, w- somewhere in the middle is the is the truth. Um, and again, it's a ha- horrible thing um, to have to figure out and talk about, but. Is it? Would it truly be a danger to divers? I, I, I don't know if I see that. Well, and, um, and that's maybe just me being naive, but it'll it'll be interesting. Not that you know we we'd we'd prefer not, never to know how it will right. react, but uh, this will all come to light as as this progresses, and hopefully they get this oil shut off soon, and we're able to get divers back diving again. So we'll we'll find out how it is. But I'm just puzzled. You know, is this you know, is this a, an organization's attempt at uh, getting a little bit of press time? Uh, or are they just upset that maybe, the, I mean, I guess another angle of this is it could hurt uh, their funding. Maybe maybe people aren't going to donate to them. Or, you know, if you're not diving and doing your research, then you can't progress what you're trying to do. I mean, I, I can imagine some grad students trying to go out and work on some underwater archaeology on these sites. And maybe they had plans for this summer, which have all stopped, which is not good. But... Uh, I just, this little blurb 
it was really hard to figure out what the angle was it uh, of it was from. Right. And then Mac uh, is in the chat room, and he had, uh, yeah, we're not going to dive the wrecks at 4,500 feet. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, you could, I guess. But... Yeah. And then uh, we have a kind of a continuation of one of last week's articles, was we have another suit. The uh, Beasley-Allen files another lawsuit against BP. If you remember last week, they were filing on behalf of a scuba operator. Now they're filing on behalf of resorts. So this is a continuation of, of trying to recover some of it, some of the, right. the lost income. And, and what I'm trying to figure out is when they're suing, what are they suing for? Are they saying, you know, because we're seeing, everybody's probably seen the BP commercials where they have the claims adjuster on TV saying, you know, we've already given out so much money. We've got a couple billion set up. Then we've got 10 billion in there. Is it 20 billion? Yeah, 20 billion in the compensation funds to cover the claims. So why is there a lawsuit? Are they, are they not getting enough or they want more? Is this negotiation? It, it makes you wonder. Um I would hope that people aren't trying to cut a fat cat off of this deal um, because there are going to be a lot of people that have lost uh, real uh, wages and, and real livelihoods, uh, possibly for, you know, in the case of some of the fisheries and things like that, um, a generation or more. But it, I just hope that people don't get greedy when they see the big pockets of, of either government funding or, or BP funding. Um, just for the sake of, of making a windfall profit, that would be horrible. Yeah. Well, the one thing is it's is like one of them they're saying, and this is a quote from uh, one of the people at the firm, falling real estate values are just one more consequence of the environmental disaster. People who have purchased property as an investment or simply trying to sell their home will be negatively affected in the oil spill. So what I'm getting is forget the people who are just trying to sell their home, people who have purchased property as an investment. You know, and I think you can change that term investment to speculation. So were there people who were hoping to get in on a short return a short term return, you know, you know, call them carpetbaggers or outsiders who went and bought property, are they now try you know, were they upset that they couldn't flip? Because, yeah, I mean, understandably, this is going to lower property values. Uh-oh, we lost Jim. Here, we're coming to get Jim back. I should play music. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey, it's me. Hey, you're back. <laughs> Man, groovy music, too. My goodness. <laughs> uh, so what button did you hit? <laughs> the wrong one. The wrong one. I don't even know what I did. That's that's pretty uh, pretty sad, isn't it? Yep. Usually I know how I screw things up. <laughs> I grumble. Uh, okay. So we were on the... Uh, how, what part did you hear? <laughs> uh, we were on the. How are you doing today, Darren? No, we were on the uh, yes. doing the uh, the lawsuits that are being brought up uh, on behalf of some of the resorts. Did, did you hear my rant on the real estate values? Well, no, but if it's anything like mine, it's probably well, it's an investment and so forth, and yeah, these exactly. things probably should be taken into consideration that's why yeah, they you, are investments yeah, you, you take risk. a risk yeah you take a risk when you're going to do an investment and that's good and bad so and they wouldn't wouldn't have turned around and, and cried uncle for the people that sold it to them at uh, at bargain uh prices if it skyrocketed and prices increased a thousand percent they they certainly wouldn't turn around and you know and, and refund some of that money back <laughs> yeah. right you know they would take advantage of it and unfortunately you know dang it here's one of them deals that they're gonna have to ride this one out yeah well and the tough thing is i, I feel for somebody who oh, you know, just yeah. got a new job and they're trying to sell their home and yes you know, and, yep. you, and you can't do it so i they they definitely need you know would deserve some sort of compensation or you know but, but how some, far does it go yeah 
exactly. How, it, I, it, I mean, at what point do you draw the line and say, you know, um, where does it where does it end? Because this this thing is going to have such far-reaching um, impact through, you know, not just the Gulf states, but but further out and further out as industries and things and like that are affected. And um, where is the the bulkhead or where is the um, where is the line that, that means no more? Exactly. So uh, we'll, we're definitely going to um, hear more of this in the news, uh, and it will it will come back. Mm-hmm. It will. Uh, the next article we have: Scuba warriors deal with wars after effects underwater, and, and I thought this was an interesting article. And kind of the gist of it is helping. You know, like if you if we remember back, and I'm not that old, but the Vietnam days. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was hard for people to get back in society and to get out of you know, that combat situation. And in the current conflicts, the, the same situations uh, happen. So what mm-hmm. some people are doing is they're using scuba as a way to help introduce people, uh, reintroduce them back. So uh, this is from Seattle. And uh, there's a group of eight men calling themselves the scuba warriors. They were combat veterans who have seen award its darkest depths. Uh, one of them did 21 straight months as a combat medic. Uh, and he says, despite all the blood and carnage that he had seen through the war, the toughest part was coming home. Uh, and then when they, when they returned from war, they, they felt like a fish out of water. Uh, they're looking for the camaraderie. And then, you know, as anything, the, the, as, as terrible as war is, there is that adrenaline rush that happens in stressful situations and people working tightly as a team, and you can still crave that when you come back. That, that. So what they're doing is they got together in this program, and they're actually using scuba diving as a way of, med- you know, of uh, giving them some of that, I hate saying excitement, but... Uh, you know, we have to rely on somebody, kind of like you, you, you do in, in combat or as a group or a platoon. Uh, yep. you, you rely on your buddies, and that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, and I, and I can see where, you know, the the, uh, uh, the community aspect of it would uh, be very beneficial. You know, you've still got some of the, the stresses and, and uh, things like that, but you've also got the the release afterwards of, of, uh, sitting down with your buddies afterwards and, um, just kind of letting go and, uh, definite benefits. I, I, I think so. Yep. So the, the organization that is out there supporting this is heartbeatforwarriors.org. Uh, we'll have a link to them in the show notes as well. And it's completely run from public donations and they need funding to help returning vets. So it sounds like a very interesting program. Okay, the next one is uh, two divers uh, that were found on Lake Michigan. <laughs> now, at first, at first reading, it, it sounds as if it, just the headline kind of sounds funny, doesn't it? Two scuba divers were found. Um, well, we're always looking for stuff, and I guess scuba divers could be one thing you're looking for. Shipwreck. Well, yeah. Scuba divers. Right. Right, but I, th- I think I think more importantly, after you read the article, you realize why they were uh, right. found um, yeah. is yeah. because they had a problem. Exactly. So it was uh, two divers, and the challenge I'm having because I'm not real familiar with the geography is mm-hmm. is where they actually were. I understand that the two divers were from the Milwaukee area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was David Ritterman, 29, and Jamie Smallish, 28, and. Uh, and, and they mentioned some beaches, Harrington Bark, uh, Her- Harrington Bark, Harrington Beach State Park uh, near Belgium and Ozaki County. So at first, because they say Sheboygan, I was thinking that maybe it was like Michigan, but it, it must be just north of Milwaukee there. 
Yeah. So what what had happened is they were diving on uh, a wreck called the Niagara. That's a wooden steamship that carried uh, thousands of immigrants uh, to Wisconsin before it went down in 1856. In the sinking, uh, they estimated that it killed approximately 180 people. And the wreck now lies in 52 feet of water. So it wasn't that deep a wreck. But right. it sounds like that there were some currents that day, either currents or wind. So while the two divers were down on the wreck, the boat drifted away. So uh, they came up. Boat's not there. And they're looking, hmm, boat's kind of moving that way. I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up to it. Or I can swim one mile in. Because we frequently are diving a mile, two miles, five miles, nine miles from shore. And that shoreline looks awful close, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, out on the water, your depth, uh, your perception of depth is, is way off. What's, what looks to be half a mile or a mile can be much farther than that. Um, and when you're thinking about swimming, that mile looks very far. Um, you know, but as I'm looking at this too, Darren, it, it did bring up you know the the depth is very shallow it's we've got a wreck up by us that's in similar uh similar depth uh similar distance offshore um and i was thinking wow what if what well, if you know, I, I would not hesitate to try and swim a mile you know it would take a while but you know it, it, i think a lot of it depends on currents you know because you really i'm not a strong enough swimmer where i'm going to outswim anything but a very no. mild current mm-hmm. so right. if the current is taking me away from shore. It, you, you know that that one mile swim might be a ten mile swim. You're, you're not gonna. You, know, you you might. It's like running on a. It's running on a treadmill the wrong way. It, you're gonna. That's exactly right. Um, and you just maybe you'll cover some ground and maybe you'll just hold your own. But I think if in reading it, um, it wasn't the boat that moved away. I think they got uh, blown off, uh, off the wreck and away from their anchor line, which is your your safe base, if you will. Um, ah, okay. You know what I mean? And then once, once they're off of there, uh, you know, and they've got a, a current. Now we've had rip current advisories off and on for the last couple of weeks uh, around mm-hmm. us. And, um, so if you, if you get caught in one of those, those currents, um, you could be in real trouble. I don't care if you've got scuba equipment on or not. So yeah. in the, in the end, they ended up what they ditched all their gear, um, except for their, uh, protective uh layer right they dumped their yep. scuba they dumped their weights um and then yep. it's pretty much ride it out yeah yep so uh but fortunately they got picked up they hadn't quite made it to shore so i don't know if they would have uh, eventually made it there or not uh they had hypothermia and that's not hard you know even in 70 degree water you're gonna you have mm-hmm. a risk of hypothermia even with yep. protection Yep. Uh, didn't say. Did, did you get whether the? I looked at the three different articles on it, and I couldn't see if they're wearing dry suits or wetsuits. Yeah, and I didn't either. And I was looking for that, um, but I I do know um, that. Uh, wow, what was I going to say? Um, they did actually make it to shore, um, but but uh, when you're diving in water that, like you said, 70 degrees at the surface, um, you spend some time in there, and you can still get. Uh, get chilled pretty badly yep well also if you're moving that's one of the things with uh with uh trying to survive out in the water you look at the people who survive even in cold water is they're not moving that that activity you know, you're mm-hmm. burning energy to swim you're actually exposing your body to more cold water uh it, it, it yep. will definitely suck the energy out yeah one article said that they didn't make it to shore uh and that they were picked up near shore so you kind of wonder you know were they like chest height and then People said, "Hey, there, yeah. there they are." <laughs> so right. Not get credit for the swim in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, let me finish. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the. Uh, I'm almost there. Just let me cross. So. So, they, okay. So, so let's say you're you're stuck out there, uh, because again, this is pretty similar to the conditions that we dive in out on on Lake Michigan. Um, do you go for it if you're a mile offshore, or do you? Uh, you pull in, you pull your knees up to your chest and uh, tuck in nice and tight, maybe close to your buddy and try and conserve that heat and energy. That's the smart thing to do. But honestly, especially in the summer, I mean, this is July 4th. Mm-hmm. And that was a warm, it was a warm day. 
Right. So, you know, I imagine you're burning the top of your head and the back of your neck, and you might even feel warm on your head, but you're, the rest of your body is dangled the water. You know, honestly, I would swim. I mean, I've thought about the same thing when I've right. sat out there at Havana, and we're even, I think we're even a little farther than a mile out on that wreck. And, you know, I've kind of thought, you know, I've looked at that and said, you know, I can make that. Right. So, yep. you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's one of those things, gosh, I hate that you put yourself in that situation, but, it, you know, it might not be a bad thing to to try. You know, get a boat out there, you know, so you got like a backup and just see. You know, maybe, maybe that, that might be a, a video we produce is, you know, how do you really survive some of these situations? Maybe we... We throw ourselves in videotape and then, you know, make fools of ourselves after 100 yards we give up. <laughs> well, here's here's what I would suggest. We do it. To, we pick out a dive buddy, unbeknownst to them, and pitch him out of the boat Ooh, next time. I like that. Because that would that would simulate some real world, uh, you know, the shock, <laughs> the trauma. Um, you, you, when uh, you say betrayal. shock and trauma, you, you mean... <laughs> That, that's what we're going to experience when they finally get a hold of us after it's over with. <laughs> well, then, you you know, the whole buddy thing gets called into question. But uh, I think being jettisoned out of a moving boat <clears throat> against your will would be enough to get you going. Mac in the chat room says, with a wetsuit and fins and a BC, if you cannot swim a mile, you should quit diving. It, you know, and, and mentally in my mind, I think so. I You know, it's hard to judge somebody because we weren't in that situation. But, gosh, you know, a mile doesn't seem... You know, when I was in Boy Scouts, we swam a mile, but that was in a pond, ideal conditions, you know, yeah. 12. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would agree with that. If you can't swim a mile, um, especially with no time constraints, yeah, he's right. But, you know, picture again, if you've got a three or four mile current, uh, mile an hour current pushing against you um, on that treadmill, um, wow, that could be kind of tough. Oh, it looks like we have a challenge. Uh, uh, Max says he can do the Havana to shore. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a, maybe we should have that as a, cl- a club event, the Havana swim. <laughs> yeah, but look at the line. What he says right before that, he, he so I can do it, but don't throw me out of the boat is pretty much what he's saying um, <laughs> because of the repercussions. Um, so, um, well, Darren, that leaves you. Um, that gives me because it was my idea. So <laughs> he can't throw me out of the boat. Yeah, it's your boat. So, you know, I, I would, I'd be willing to try it. Actually, I, I, I you know, it's like almost like I, I. It's one of those things. Maybe I need the reality to show me I couldn't do it. Now, I'm, I, I definitely admit, I'm, I, I'm, there would be, it would be an all-day event. You know, you know, pick right. a warm day, start at nine o'clock, and then, you know, wait. Yeah, I, you know, I, let me see. I mean, I'm almost, I, it's almost begs to pick a time because I bet. You know, break it down. I bet I could do a quarter mile an hour easy, and I and I really think I would double or triple that speed. Right. You know, and a lot of it's going to depend on the waves because we did have a little bit of. Uh, see, see, in the fourth, no, it was the fifth. I was, I was, I swam off Michigan City on the fifth, in Lake Michigan, and it wasn't too bad there at the southern part of the lake, and then dove right. on the third. And that was a little choppy off South Haven. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in well, that chop, that you know that chop can wear you out. And if that, if the, you now the waves were heading inshore for us, but they could have been heading outshore for. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and it must have been a current heading parallel to shore for them not to swim back to the boat, because it seems like if it was right. going out, the boat would have been between you and the land. Right, but as we. Uh, talking about uh getting rid of, rid of the scuba gear and, and making the run for it um i know i currently don't carry a snorkel with me and you don't um a snorkel would definitely be beneficial in a case like this yep yeah i'm, I'm not a big snorkel fan you know we've had this discussion before but mm-hmm. you know it seems like it gets in the way you know i, I get it caught on stuff uh you know, your mask gets knocked off. Right. It, it so, drags. It gets in the yeah. way of, you know, this yeah. and that. Um, you know, I, but I, I would admit, because I have been looking for, like, a foldable or a compact snorkel, and actually my snorkel's about the best I've seen for being compact as it is. You know, maybe 
something that you could pull out you need. But even, you know, I've I've actually tried to snorkel in rough water, mm-hmm. and that almost gives you a false sense of security because about the fifth time you suck that water going over the top of your head down, <laughs> that's about it. You know, yeah. I'm ready just to rip the snorkel off and, you know, and tread water with my head up and right. get that in your face every time. Yep. Yeah, because yep. what I what I noticed, uh, well, in fact, this this last weekend, and we'll talk about the dive later on, but you start to breathe between the waves. You know, because the waves are breaking over my head as I was ready to go down the line, and you know, you don't want to be using up your air. I mean, you can have your reg in your mouth and not even worry about it, but you know what? That's and then precious. Oh well, yeah, that's that's air. I mean, it costs you eight bucks to fill on uh, on shore at the most, but. Out on the boat, it's it's priceless and can't be replaced. Yeah, well, especially when the the dive that we were doing, you you didn't want to use any of that air up, and I think honestly, I think a snorkel, you know, eh, you know, that would have been a tough one. It, it was the, the waves were high enough, it would have broke over the top of a snorkel. So, mm-hmm. okay, yep. well, we we beat that one. And, and speaking of snorkeling, notice the segue to the next article uh, is on that scuba and snorkeling can be a benefit to fishermen. So we, we won't go and read all the details of the article. Uh, and it was a little bit of an odd written article, but I kind of liked the point that the guy was getting down to is that is if, if you're a fisherman and you want to see what it looks like under underwater, there's no better way of doing it than to break out the snorkel or learn how to scuba dive. Yes. And, and this article was written from the perspective of a fisherman who had actually done that. Uh, he was over in Lake Erie where he was doing his diving. And there were times where he'd be up there and he goes, ah, oh, I wonder what it looks like underneath and grabs the gear, goes down, and he notices that the fish he's seeing down there aren't what he's fishing for. <laughs> so it does you either need to change bait or change a spot. Right. And then there's been other spots where he went down and saw something that he really wanted to fish for. Uh, and kind of an interesting point in the article was when he said he, he opened his mouth too much. And uh, somebody fished out all the fish that he spotted. Yep. Uh, and also a few things that we found and uh, is that some of those underwater objects, if you're a fisherman, it's a great way to pick up some some lures and weights. <laughs> they, right. They, or they anchors. T- or, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you need an anchor. I, I think between you and me, we got enough anchors unless we buy a 50-foot boat <laughs> for the rest of our life. Right. <laughs> right, and I know, uh, I know, uh, I suspect Mac picked up another one over the weekend. So, yeah. ay, ay, ay. Maybe we need to start an anchor display or, or shop. An online anchor store. Now that's a niche. Yeah, that's right definitely there. A niche. Pre-owned anchors. Pre-owned anchors. Uh, the shipping would probably kill you, though. <laughs> well, yeah, and it did. It did break my heart to go in and find out how much some of the ones that we found were new. Uh, oh, I know. The cost. It's like what. Well, Pretty much takes the fun out of that. Yeah, you're you're thinking you got an eighty dollar anchor and it's like thirteen ninety five. Yep. So, oh, no. but uh, so that was that was a good article. So if you have some fishermen who, you know, get them into diving, you, you can kind of talk them into it, tell them that they get to see stuff from underneath. Uh, also, you know, if you're a scuba diver, it's not bad idea to get some of these fishermen to be your friend because. As Mac has told us, uh, these guys know where a lot of stuff is at snags, and if there's something on the bottom, at least at least in Lake yeah. Michigan, that's snagging, that's you know there's no natural features in the bottom that are going to be doing that. That's usually man-made and something that you might want to be diving on. Yeah, you know one thing not to not to go back to this but one thing that jumped out at me in that article is uh, talking about uh, searching for a dive club um, how he, he looked up uh, local dive clubs and uh, tried to find one that was uh, close to him and uh, that's certainly a good way to get get into some of the local waters uh, that you normally would never uh, suspect of being diveable well, certainly as we have found out they've been there I think you know, I'd love to go through a map of our area and then take that to the club and go, okay, who's dove here? You know, talking to Kurt, there's been some mud puddles that he's <laughs> dove in. So I thought we were the crazy ones, but it seems like they've been in, you know, we're not the first by any means. Yeah. And then uh, this is one of the 
otter articles or interesting articles, I, I'm always looking for an underwater sport that we could capitalize. And this one is scuba tennis. I, this is, I don't think this is the one. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think so either. The, you know, we got the Wimbledon that is heading on now, and I don't really tend to follow that, even though I do play a little bit of tennis. But the British Aquarium in honor of Wimbledon had underwater tennis. So it was, yep. it was inside their 3.8 million gallon tank at Blue Planet Aquarium in Cheshire, UK. Uh, they developed their own version of net play. Intrepid players took water armed with tennis rackets and supply of specially weighted balls for an undersea match. It was played in honor of the country's premier Grand Slam event. Uh, the nine-foot sharks and giant stingrays were spectators. Uh, and it kind of made it hard for them to put together any sort of rallies. But the guy, it, It's really kind of neat, though. I mean, uh, you got to watch on your uh, backswing for the shark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sheepers. Well, you know, what, I, what I'm thinking is that they could have made that interesting. You know, maybe, uh, you know, stick a little chum inside the wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> wow you know that maybe a you know a meat tennis ball <laughs> um yeah that, that yeah would, that would have made it a little bit more exciting it would certainly speed up the action i'm thinking uh well that's it for the articles in the news unless i skip something uh we we last week we talked about uh scuba movies so if you have any movies with scuba in it uh, let us know. I, I'm trying to put together a little list of, of movies to watch and maybe even review. But a, as I was going and looking for articles this week, uh, there's an indie film. And it caught my eye because one of the lines in it was, after returning home, a former scuba diver, Colby Van Poe, a man suffering from inner ear medical condition, tries to cope with his wife's untimely death. And it goes on that he feels guilty because he told his wife he was leaving her. And then she ended up killing himself, herself, and then. But it seemed to be that the it, it's a it's a spiritual horror movie, kind of like the Fifth Element. I'm probably spoiling it, but it's in the trailer. <laughs> uh, that something related that he's is that in the silence from his ear injury, he's able to hear and eventually see people in this other dimension. So we'll have a a link to that. Uh, the the website <laughs> that it was on had an interesting name, which was bloody-disgusting.com. Uh, yeah. It's a site <laughs> that I visit regularly. I <laughs> <laughs> got a book. I was following that, and I kind of stopped and thought, wow, do I even want to read this? But, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So the, the, it, the trailer... Uh, for Indie Horror of Silence. So Of Silence is the name. So you can, if you're into those type of movies, but uh, they had it had scuba in it. So if it has that scuba, it can't be all Ben. No, no. I mean, I think that they should do that in every movie. I think every lead character should have something to do with scuba. I would agree. Okay. So on from this, and let's get into the diving so did you happen to get a chance to get wet this last week i did some uh, snorkeling and some skin diving uh, i didn't do anything on scuba other than in the pool um and that was about it that was about it I, I know that you got out for a little bit right yeah i got out with the with many of the members from the club we had uh uh jim scarlett uh don McEnany, uh larry and gosh, I'm forgetting somebody. Larry and Ken. Uh, we went out. We we had two boats that that went out. It was a little rough. We went out of South Haven, and the plan was we were going to do two dives. We were going to do the first dive out on the Ann Arbor Five, which the Ann Arbor Five is a vessel that had been uh, sunk off of South Haven at one point in time as a breakwater for the building of the Palisades nuclear plant and then later was was raised and cut up for scrap and part of it was being hauled uh, across the lake and it sunk 
there were some people on the vessel. They were able to get off just at nick of time, and then down it went. Yeah, and that's quite an interesting story, too. I mean, right. if you look at it, uh, because wasn't the barge, which is what it is, um, mm-hmm. wasn't it uh, cut up at first? And they were towing, did I get this right, towing the, the remaining half yep. uh, back for uh, to be to the scrapyard, and it mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden started taking on water, and away she went. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it went pretty quick, and they were able to get off, and the... When it was found, people were like, oh, what is this? And then they were able to actually trace it down to one of the younger guys at the time uh, who was working with it and asked him what the story was. And as he described it, when it went down, they could hear it hit bottom. And the wreck definitely uh, aligns with that story because it's speared into the bottom. Which is kind of peculiar too, isn't it? Most yeah. of our wrecks are, are laying pretty flat, mm-hmm. um, where this one is at a, a quite steep angle. Yep. And you can actually, I haven't done it, and I don't think I'm going to do it for quite a while, but you can actually go deeper than the bottom, because if you go inside the wreck, it kinda, you, can, you can go down. <laughs> so uh, ah. there, are, there are spots to, to get into the wreck. Uh, not that we advocate if you don't have training doing that, but uh, uh, it's there. The highest point I was told was... 90 feet and when my personal observation maybe i should back up and and tell the story of the dive but uh it's not that's not quite what it was so what we did is we got out there we had two boats i was on the boat with uh mac and jim uh jim scarlet and jim got a little green in the gills it was kind of a rough ride out and learned a few things about that we we didn't have we weren't all geared up you know a lot of times when you're doing these longer dives out in Lake Michigan, I, I can't remember how far out it is exactly. I think something maybe like nine miles out. So we're, we're going out into the lake, and it was rough. So we just planned on, well, we'll get there, we'll anchor. Well, there's a there's a buoy on the wreck, so you tie off to the buoy, and, you know, we'll get hooked up. But uh, Ken and Larry, they put their boat on, and Jim's boat, because this is about about 30-foot boat, uh, you know, in a little bit higher profile, so the wind would take his. He anchored off of them, and so we're kind of in a line. But that was just plain rough. And you know, I've got sea legs, but I was banging against the side of the boat, <laughs> you know, because uh, he's got a cabin, and we had all our gear stored front so that it would rode better. And then we're pulling right. it out, and you know, I'm getting smacked into the chairs and into the walls and the door oh, frame. No. Yeah, and you're just kind of, and, and you're just trying to be loose to kind of go with it. You know, if you kind of fight it, it, it just is worse. It's just going to hurt worse, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and, and I, I'm doing good. I don't, I'm not, I don't get seasick that often. And uh, and I really, I won't say I was seasick, but it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> right. So uh, Matt got in the water first. Uh, I got in the water second. Uh, Ken and Larry got in the water a little bit later. So uh, Mac and I were going to go down. I guess I took too much time because he, he was already down by the time I got over there. (laughs) (laughs) The slow, the slow guy. So he, so he came up, which, which worked out because I, uh, I took his, his uh, bailout and I clipped that on. And then I must've been bobbing in the water for 10 minutes, waiting for Larry and Ken Mm -hmm. to come out. And just as they come out and they're passing me, because I was going to follow them down the line, I can hear my first stage starting to leak. Oh, great. Yeah, so I'm like, ah, oh, crud. You know, I'm, I'm not going to dive. And this is a, a deep wreck. This is over 100 feet deep. So I, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not, I'm not taking any sort of chances on right. anything. So, uh, you know, Mac had come up by this time, and he, he tightened down. Uh, There's a hose that was leaking. Uh, but it was still coming out a little bit. So got in the back of the boat. We tried tightening it down. I ended up taking it off. And what had happened is I had an O-ring that had probably caught in the threads. You know, maybe it had loosened up one, you know, a time three, four dives before. And yeah. I probably had damaged the O-ring. And just from, you know, and this is the, the hose that my computer's on. And the computer does swivel. You know, it does. But, but when you get it under pressure, that right. swivel doesn't really swivel that well. They get a little stiffer, don't they? They get a little stiff. So 
what you do is you're turning the computers, you're putting pressure on that hose, and I think that just, you know, you can work that hose loose. So and that's mm. always one that seems to be, that comes loose. So I replaced the O-ring, put it on, and then we had already told, you know, because I didn't know how long it was going to be. We told uh, Ken and Larry, just go ahead and make the dive. But I went down, I looked down, I couldn't see them, so I started to uh, head down the line, and I caught them as they were coming up. So uh, they were coming up just about to their first stop, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go down and I'm going to get in this wreck. So I planned on, I was just going to go touch the deck, see what I could see from the line, and come up. I, I thought that would be a good one. And this is the deepest dive I have done to date in the water. We've done that chamber dive at 150, but this was... 119 on the line, but you know, and, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like next time that we dive on mm-hmm. it. But I didn't see that much higher spot because people had said that you could start at 90. But my <laughs> thought is, if you're planning on diving a wreck at 90, this is not the one, you know, because I was 119, <laughs> right? So. And I had I had planned my dive for 125, so I had plenty of air and, right. and everything. So uh, and and I'm always amazed when you go down there how bright it is. It it was I mean I won't, wouldn't say it was like bright daylight, but it was easily visible. Uh, you can see on the deck the rails because at one one point of this vessel's life it was a a, a ferry boat, so it, it carried uh, uh, rail cars on it. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to go back and take a look at it, and and I know I couldn't have been more than five or ten feet from the because uh, the the aft end is is up, and there's two propellers that are quite big on it, uh, I, right? I think ten to fifteen feet. So I would have liked to have seen them. So I'm 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 ready to go back. But uh, I came up the line, did my safety stop, and everything went well. Well, good. So when you pulled that uh, O-ring out, could you see that it had been scarred, or did it look okay? No, it was that when I pulled that O-ring out, it was, I call it a C-ring. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it was destroyed, huh? Yeah, yeah. it was It was dead. Uh, and so it probably just, it probably had been nicked. And after a couple dives, I mean, that's, it. you know, and it being a little bit loose, it mm-hmm. just, you know, it just disintegrated. So... And, and I mean, when I say disintegrate, it wasn't like the whole rubber was bad. The rubber wasn't rotten or anything. It obviously had been damaged on the thread somehow and gave up. So it's good to have to save a dive kit. Uh, I uh, Jim Jim Scarlett, since he didn't dive, he was doing laps in his boat ah. around the outside, which also added to some of the fun of the, of the waves. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it's kind of like wow. you could back off a little bit. <laughs> like live fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Uh, but yeah, that was a it was a a good dive. You know, I I was happy it went that way because it's you know every time you keep pushing the boundary a little bit and getting a little bit more experience and confidence. But right. that was a that was a good one. I'm I'm happy, you know, especially because of the last time I tried to do a dive at this depth, I had another uh, first stage problem uh, on the barge and crane which we were planning on diving on the way back. That would have been our second dive. But I think everybody had had enough of getting beaten around and mm-hmm. uh, pretty much had called it. We had enough time to do the dive. I just don't think, I think everybody was ready to head back in. Right. Well, sounds like a, sounds like a good time. Yeah, it, it was. So, you know, a, a good, a good warm up. I, I'd call it, I I'd definitely do it again. And, you know, and they're never, I always try to, in my mind, you know, you look at the websites and you see the pictures everybody's taken. And pictures, because they tend to be flash or lit, mm-hmm. they always make everything look darker. So you've got kind of this ah. bright, washed out area, and then everything behind it is black. And especially now in Lake Michigan, it's zebra mussels. So it's it's like zebra mussel art. Yeah. yeah. Zebra mussel art. I'll bet you could get funding for that. Zebra muscle art. Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I, hmm, I have to try that. Oh, you know what? I was going to pick, you know, just remind me, uh, we have a video from that that Mac has on DVD, and I was going to pick that up today, and I didn't. I got sidetracked at work and Uh-oh. got out late. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So yeah. I'll have to 
I'll have to figure out a way to get that video. But we have video on it that we'll be posting up so you can get to see the video from uh, Larry and uh, Ken that they took. Uh, And kind of that's a good segue into the video. Uh, I put a post out there on Twitter. If anybody knows any uh, photographers, they don't have to be professional, but we want them to be as passionate about underwater photography as we are about scuba diving. We'd like to do a series of episodes on the show just to talk about it. Because I've got some basic questions of, you know, how do you light? How do you choose a camera? You know, just different odds and ends and experiences of, you know, what, somebody who's done this before and i think if you know if i i kind of feel if i've got the questions i'm sure a bunch of other people do there's a lot of websites out there but there's, there's only so much you can get from from reading blog posts and news articles and sometimes it's better just to point blank ask somebody plus photography in general above water is changing i mean i've i've got you know cameras my, my wife just picked up a camera for 199 dollars at the 12 megapixel digital you know, it wasn't too many years ago, and we were still on film. You know, or two megapixel was huge. It's this this hobby is changing, and then you add the complexity of of doing it underwater and dealing with the light changing. You know, it, it it's something. I mean, definitely can keep your interest, and it's going to be a challenge. So, if you happen to know anybody, send them that way. They can head over to the website. We got the contacts page. Uh, you can email me or Twitter me or Facebook or something. You know, head over there and friend us. So, and and I think what we might do is we might actually, uh, you know, do some interviews. I was just going to throw somebody on the show, but I think we'll have this as an ongoing segment at least for a few episodes, and maybe it'd be a resource to bring back. So I've already had probably four or five people recommended that we can take a look at, but that's uh, by all means not not the only ones that we'll look at. So if you know anybody, we'll probably be looking for the next couple of weeks. And then hopefully by episode, you know, 29 or 30, we'll be having that as a segment. Sounds good. Now on to, you know, the only thing better than a past dive is a future dive. So w- w- what's on the radar for this weekend? Well, it looks like, um, looks like we might be doing a revisit back to the Ann Arbor Five if everything goes well. How's that sound to you? I like that. I I, I wouldn't mind that at all. I figured you would. I figured you would. Um, it uh, going to try and rally the troops uh, early uh, Sunday and um, get out there. Providing the weather's good, uh, I've been keeping my eye on the marine forecast and uh, they've. The only thing different about the marine forecast and the regular forecast is that, uh, well, the word marine, you can't trust either <laughs> of them until you look out and see what it really is. Um, but uh, we're, we're hoping for some fairly flat weather to make the run out. We have a couple boats out there again mm-hmm. and, uh, and drop in on the Ann Arbor 5 and uh, um, possibly hit the crane and barge on the way back in. That'd be great. Both, both of those are, wrecks are below 100 feet. Uh and, and, and good dives to to do some training on. So right, exactly, and that's what I'm I'm looking for. Great. So uh, now now, how about Saturday? Is, that, is there any shot of doing anything Saturday? Uh, boy, I'd I'd like to. I'm I'm trying to think of a target maybe on uh, Saturday morning, and uh, we've been kind of watching a spot out in Lake Michigan that maybe we can go out and do a survey or two on. Or three or four, depending on, you know, how long it takes to uh, to run a line out. Maybe uh, run a line out to 80 or 100 feet and, and do a couple of couple of search patterns down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Maybe we pop up right away and and our work is done, or maybe we have to do it several weekends in a row. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I would have to have some people that are ready to roll on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds interesting. I was trying to figure out how to sell it to the wife. So I was saying, you know what? Why don't you guys go to Waco Beach? <laughs> and then we'll be out there. And it's like that you're there with us. And, and then we can, cl- we can climb the beach and wave to you. And so. Yeah. I'll let you do the talking on that. Well, um, actually, I, th- I think they've kind of bought it. But I, I haven't quite worked out the details, which that's where they'll come and bite me. But, uh, uh, the devil's in the details. It certainly is. So, but that, that, that's an option too. I went and checked out the dive shop today. 
Uh, yeah. And the only thing they ran is 80s and 60s. Yep. So eh, I kind of figured that, but you never know. I've, I've got, they're also the type of dive shop that, oh, we got a couple 119s in the back. We can't figure out what to do with. Yeah, we'll, we'll rent them to you. <laughs> yeah, well, um, all right. Well, very good. So we'll have to figure out how we're going to uh, work on all that logistics. Yep, yep. We'll get it figured out. Okay, so we've got that. Uh, so you, you've ran into a video this week that you said looked pretty interesting. Uh, yep, yep. Um, let's see, where was it? Where was it? It was, uh, I think I initially saw it off of the, the MSN website. And I've lost it. It's you gone. lost it. Okay. It's gone. Well, maybe we'll find it for next week. This internet thing is a fad anyway. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I can't uh, can't seem to pull it up. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, let's see. Gosh, we got a few other things in here. Uh, oh, the cool gear that I was talking about earlier. Did oh, we, yeah, yeah. Have, have we talked about that? Let me see if we can find that in here. And uh, this this one was one I wasn't really expecting. It surprised me a little bit. It was actually in MarketWatch.com, and you know, as I do some of my searches just to see what's out there and available, this one came up. But the uh, company, see, you know, and I couldn't quite figure out what this company was really, you know, what their business was. They sound like they're a plastics company. Mm-hmm. But that they somehow stumbled into rebreathers, and uh, Delton reports on growing manufacturing business technology developed in strategy for expansion. <laughs> and so at first I'm wondering, well, wow. why did this article come up in my search? But it's Delton's Blue View Deep Oil and Glass Exploration Division as a developer of breathing technologies for use in extreme environments, which I think is just the way to to kind of put a fancy spin on closed-circuit rebreathers. Ah. So I don't know anything about their equipment, so that's why I said it's potentially cool gear. And I went onto their website, which is uh, blueviewdeepbreather.com, and they're definitely going the commercial angle, and uh, they seem to be aimed at the oil industry. Mm Mm-hmm. So, in fact, even in their press relief, they, they say uh, Deltron recognizes critical need for solutions to improve inspection, maintenance, and repair of oil and gas rigs like BP's Deepwater Horizon. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, you go, go to the website, you'll be able to see the links on it. But some of the, the things that they said, and, and I really need to, to dig into it and read some more, but... They said some of the benefits of their technology include maximum no decompression time, extended depth capability, stealth with no bubbles, flying after diving, ship bottom inspections, size and weight of packaging reduced, and helium consumption minimized. But the the, the one thing that just kind of went, oh, wait a minute, flying after diving. So that's what I'd love to figure out is, 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 that, is that right? Or is that a PR guy goofing up? Um, yeah, because how do you do that? I mean, how, that's a I, function of your body. That's not a function of your... Yeah, I mean, are they saying because maybe their gas mix that they're breathing that there's no risk of nitrogen? But yeah, but again, it's all your body and pressure and gas absorption into the tissues as to what why you don't you don't fly after diving. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Up, yeah. up on the, the uh, board, the Mac has put up a couple of mentions about uh, yep. Deltron that are kind of interesting. Um, it's pretty convenient, though, the, the timing of the release, that's for sure. Well, yeah, and, and that's all, it's all a PR guy. And then yep. uh, Mac points out it looks like they're looking for investors. Uh, and he says you can't find any specs or reference other than the bailout valve, which is what I thought. You know, it's like there's a lot of rebreathers out there. You know, but the only people they're going to really attract is somebody who 
doesn't know that there are others out there. It's, it's like I, I couldn't see anything. So that's why I said potential. If anybody has any experience or knows anything about it, let us know because we love to find out about all things scuba. But um, this, you know, this might not be the time for this product. We'll just have to to wait and see. <laughs> wow. So uh, we've we've bought done it to another week. We have. We did it. So, oh, we we did have uh, we did have a, uh, something on Facebook. We had another, uh, oh gosh, what do I call it? Uh, quest or question that we had out there for our fans and visitors. Uh, thank mm-hmm. everybody who did it. And and the one this week was, uh, what is your favorite diving location within sixty miles of your home? And kind of what my point is, and maybe that's why we didn't have a huge response, is that there are places near your home where you yeah. can actually go out there and dive. So uh, maybe a lot of people uh, happen to be landlocked. This is why they didn't reply. But we had uh, Mac said that uh, his favorite spot within 60 miles was Pawpaw Lake on Coloma. We had Rick Sinowick, uh, or Sinowick, uh said that uh, it was Detroit River and, surprise, surprise, White Star Quarry. Uh, for, those, <laughs> yeah. for, those, for those who don't know, uh, he is the operator of White Star Quarries. So, right. Uh, a, a, a little biased, but, you know, yet it still can be your favorite. So we won't hold that against him. We still right. have to figure out how we're going to be able to get out there. And oh. then uh, my answer was, and I think I kind of cheated because I said Lake Michigan. <laughs> and so I'm still looking for the exact favorite spot, but I have to say overall this time of year it's Lake Michigan. Yeah. Uh, in, in the uh, fall... Like last fall, we just had a blast in the river. Uh, that was fun, you know, playing in the current, and you know, we yep. did, you know, we all up and down the river. That that was great. Uh, for grubbing, I have to say, Pawpaw, like Mac, that's that's one of my favorite places to grub. And I know some of the other mud clubbers are going to groan at that because that's. Not, oh, I heard the groans and the eyes were rolling. Yeah, the it. eyes were rolling, and, and they're not even listening right now. Yep. But uh, uh, but I'd say I, I would say of inland lake. It would have to be Lake 16 at this point, but I think that's a little outside 60 miles from my house. I think that's probably, you know, it's got to be closer to 70. Oh yeah, yep. So yeah, it, it isn't it funny? It changes with the seasons, you know. Well, um, it has to be for us, or it doesn't yep. have to be. It just, I, I guess, that's just saying how many good spots there are out there where we're going to be able to go out and dive. Right. No, uh, but uh, also is that is like you know I. I really don't have that favorite. Now, there's not that one spot. I mean, not that I can get bored, but mm-hmm. there's not a spot where I think I would like to dive it Saturday and Sunday for three weekends in a row. You know, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I like the Havana, but I would <laughs> do that, you know, three, you know, six dives, mm-hmm. three weekends in a row. Right. Uh, you know, the South Bend, the Muskegon, you know, the river, you know, even Lake 16. I mean, Lake 16, you know, if you went down a different route or Gull Lake and Kalamazoo, you might. But, you know, there's just not, you can't do it. You have to have the variety. And I'm, I'm still looking for that site that uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be craving that variety all the time. So. Right. Well, you know, that's that's the benefit of diving local. Um, you know, we can get get quite a few dives in um, without going a long way. And, uh, you know, we don't have to wait for a vacation. Yep. So, I don't know, maybe, I guess gives me an idea that I've, I need to find out, you know, if there's not the sites that for that, then we'll have to do, see what there are to either find them or create them. So, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll uh, find enough spots out there or will influence some. And we're not talking about sinking, floating vessels. So, <laughs> so, so don't worry if you got a boat out there that we're going to come and drill a hole in the bottom. <laughs> unless you got a really interesting boat, then, you know, maybe, maybe that might not be a bad idea. Or unless you happen to be the boater that pulled up one of our fellow club members <laughs> by the dive flag. Yeah. Now, now that, you know, all bets are off on that boat. Yeah. Um, so... Ouch. Yeah, that wasn't any fun. No. So, so that, anyway. So that was in Facebook. Uh, 
also, again, if you're an advertiser, if you're in the scuba industry and you're looking for a unique advertising opportunity, let us know. We can put together a program for you. Uh, you know, this is a, we, we find this a viable medium. You got a lot of passionate listeners who are listening to the show, and they would certainly be interested in your product if you've got a good product. If your product sucks, don't worry about advertising. You can just send the money. But uh, if it's a good product, then go ahead and advertise and send the money. So, uh, right. That's that's my little spiel in there. And uh, on to uh, after that, or on to that, or after that, actually, is time for the bad scuba joke of the week. It is that time. It is. So. Let me scroll down. This this one was particularly bad, so I had to segment it to a special section. Oh, no. So I don't think it's the worst one we have, but it is, def- it is definitely bad. So any last words? Um, no. I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Once upon a time, there's a famous dive boat captain. This captain was very successful at what he did and was always able to get divers right on the wrecks. Never did stormy seas get the best of him. He was admired by his crews and fellow captains. However, there's one thing different about this captain. Every morning he went through a strange ritual. He would lock himself up in his captain quarters, and he would open a small safe. In the safe was an envelope with a piece of paper in it. He would stare at that paper for a minute intensely, and then he would lock it back up, after that, he would go about his normal daily opportunities. For years, this went on, and as his crews changed, they all, each one became very curious. You know, was it a treasure map? Was it a letter from a long-lost one? Everyone speculated about the contents of this strange envelope. Well, one day, this captain dies, and the crew, just after they had laid him to a proper burial, they just couldn't resist. They had to go in. So they went in there. They all got together. They broke into the safe. They, they opened the envelope, and the first mate read it, and he turned pale and showed the paper to the others. It had four words written in the paper. Two on two lines. Port left, starboard right. You there? Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) That lived up to the expectation. Okay, so that's good. So we had another... (laughs) Certainly didn't disappoint to disappoint, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, everybody go out there and get wet. <laughs> and dive safe. <laughs>